taking a break from our regularly scheduled Rockets programming to dabble in some NBA draft talk. We've got Jalen Duran, whose stock has fallen considerably since the last time we had a little bit of draft talk on this show. Jaden Ivey in the top four. And Jabari Smith, potentially the next superstar of the NBA. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked On Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is your best NBA DFS prop operator. Go check out our friends over at Prize Picks. As always, we thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now from across the pond, good friend of the show and founder of the TN Rockets blog that you have to check out if you haven't checked it out yet, Nathan Fogg. How's it going, Nathan? Thanks for having me on again. I, I do call me the founder of TN Rockets. It makes me laugh because it is just, it's not nobody else works. So, it's I mean, technically it's true, but... It is I mean, technically it is true. It's, it's the yeah. best kind of technicality. You are the founder of TN Rockets. It is your blog and you do amazing work there. And so yeah. we have to make sure we plug it every single time you're on the show. But um, really excited to have you back on because you, you and I, the last time you were on, we focused on draft content. We talked about Paolo Bencaro. We talked about Chet Holmgren. And then we hit on three names at the end of the episode, two of which we're going to circle back to here today. Well, technically, I guess three, because we're going to talk about Jalen Duran just ever so briefly here for a moment. Um, kind of laying the framework of what you and I are going to be doing as we progress through the rest of this season. Uh, we're going to be having you, Nathan, on to kind of do these regular segments to help break down some of the prospects in this year's NBA draft. So we're going to focus and circle back on Jabari Smith, whose stock has gone through the ceiling since the last time you and I have talked. Uh, Jaden Ivey as well, who remains a very intriguing prospect. And then also Jalen Duran, who uh, unfortunately his stock has fallen just a little bit. But I think, you know, what's important to kind of explain right here is as we're navigating this process and it's January right now, there's a lot of time between now and the NBA draft and you know, your big board has changed. Mine has changed. This is kind of like a, a process that's going to be ever changing as we approach the draft. And I think that's really important for people to consider as we're doing these kind of preliminary discussions on some of the potential picks in this upcoming NBA draft. Yeah, so for me, I, I, and this is really contentious as well, I'm sure. Um, this is a top four draft, huge line between four and five. Um, and then basically five to four to any, any order, 15 to 30, you can have any order. Um, I think that's a testament to this not being the strongest draft and um, guys with big question marks over them. 
top four is a huge uh, line between them and fifth. So uh, the, we talked about our process of doing this and there was no point in even trying to put in a big board and it just because there's not enough film, but also because it's just going to move so much in this draft more than other years. Um, and the top four will move around a lot, I think, as well, because we're starting to see guys in different roles now. Um, but it will be there will be some form of a top four for sure consistently throughout. I'm quite sure of that. And I think right now, just to, to just to clarify, the the very clear consensus top four right now is uh, Jabari Smith. And, and I'm not going to put this in any particular order, but well, maybe it, maybe it's my order. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bencaro, and Jaden Ivy. That's kind of that's kind of where my four is at right now. Which, if that's anything to go off of, then uh, it means that the Rockets are probably going to be drafting Jaden Ivy because. All throughout last year's draft process, up until like a month before, I was much lower on Jalen Green than a lot of other people were. I had Jalen Green like fourth or fifth on my board up wow. until I started really digging into the film and, and you know seeing all the all the interviews and just getting to know Jalen Green the person a bit more as well as his on the court production. And so, if it's anything to go off of, I guess it means the Rockets are going to be calling uh, Jaden Ivy their next uh, prospect by the time the draft rolls around, since that's where he's at on my board right now. Do you have, uh, you know, kind of your order set right now for the top four? Yeah, my four is um, at four, uh, Jabari Smith, at three, Paolo Banquero, at two, Chet, and number one is Jaden Ivey, who um, anyone who follows me know I absolutely love Jaden Ivey. So he's, yeah, he's number one. But it's very close and it will move around. Um, you, if anyone remembers the pod we did in early November, it's moved around quite substantially already. Yeah, do you do you remember how you had them ordered back in uh, early November when when we were on the last episode? Because I don't remember off the top of my head. I think um, I think I had well, I think we did five. I think I had Duran five, or maybe no. I think I had Ivy five, Duran four, Jabari three. Definitely Paolo two and Chet one. That was definitely number one too. I do remember that because coming into that, I had I was very much early on in, in like my draft research, and I, I basically had only done enough you know to feel comfortable in having. Uh, you know, Chet and Paolo listed as far as like one and two. And I had Paolo above Chet at that point. And at coming away from that podcast, I had kind of started to rethink about the impact that those guys could have as far as, you know, what you look at, what they're going to potentially bring to a franchise. And I think you had kind of swayed me on the defensive side of Chet Holmgren and just where he's at and, and his ceiling on that end and how he's going to be able to impact an NBA team on that side of the floor. Because I saw all the versatility of him offensively, all that good stuff. But I, I was just kind of, and I think that's, I think that's, it's such a weird thing. There's so many different conversations you can have with the draft. But I think when you look at a guy like Paolo and he's so, like he's going to instantly be probably the best player like right away of the top four. I think that you can almost safely say that of the really talented top four in this next draft. Paolo's probably going to be the guy that's the most NBA ready right out of the gate. But I also think subsequently he's probably going to have the, or not had probably has, I think he's probably got the lowest ceiling of those top four. Would you agree with that sentiment? I think Jabari does, but I think Paolo's third, yeah. Um, I think Chet um, uh, possibly has a high ceiling, but I think Chet's going to look pretty bad in his first year. Um, and I think you probably need to play him low minutes and then play him at the four as well, where he's going to look really bad. So, um, like, it's good if you're trying to tank next year, uh, but it's, it's going to be frustrating because he's not going to be on any top five rookie VA boards, I wouldn't say. No, no way. Now, before we dive into Jaden Ivey and Jabari Smith here in just a moment, uh, Jalen Duran was a guy that we talked about very briefly because, again, we kind of condensed those three names uh, 
Duran, Ivy, and Smith all into one kind of segment, which is why we're going to circle back and spend a little bit more time talking about Jaden, Ivy, and Jabari Smith here in a moment. But Jalen Duran just completely like plummeted in his draft stock. I mean, I see a lot of boards that don't even have him top 10 now, which is kind of mm. crazy to think about. What exactly happened uh, that, that made his stock plummet so far? Well, I think um, basically the NBA doesn't like to draft um, many centers in the top 10 now who just look like they are finishes around the rim and that's all they are on offense. So it was always um, going to be about Jalen adding to his game and we, we were always hoping that he would start to show more passing ability and some some stuff away from the rim. And basically that just hasn't happened. Um, he, he I think he hit four mid-range shots in a game last week. So obviously that kind of like people up again and, and if he can't and you know if he tries to be more aggressive probably realizes more than anyone his draft stock's falling so he might take matters into his own hands but the biggest problem is memphis the memphis team just isn't really clicking on offense they don't have a point guard which is a bit of a problem for a rim running center like you need someone to to set him up um it Imani bates is taking on way too much playmaking responsibility which might be good for his development long term but it's not good for jalen so jalen i think is someone where if he falls to like 11 you get him 11 you should be like delighted because he's got such a he still has a high upside, um, but if you get him, you know, fifth or sixth, it is a worry that he's just a, just a good like pogo stick center with good defense, but nothing much else. So um, he's an unknown quantity, and I think we'll probably see more of him in the second half of the season. But honestly, he's not going to have a point. You know, they're not going to get a point guard from anywhere. So like, he, there's always always going to be a big question mark over him for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the the four middies that he wound up hitting because the last scouting report that I actually read on him was that he's like starting to try and add a bit more to the offensive repertoire rather than just being like that isolated, like rim running, you know, defensive big. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops and if he's able to raise his stock or if other guys fall in and around him. But he's fallen from grace, unfortunately, out of being uh, originally in our top five. But that kind of leads us into our perfect segue to dive into Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you haven't checked it out yet, you are missing out. I'm telling you, you're going to love this app for NBA and mixed spots. Pick'em's Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. Look, it's it's so incredibly easy. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. So be sure to check out prizepicks.com today and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And another message from my friends over at Shopify, because look, Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses, right? So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online sales and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility with Shopify. Look, when it comes to reaching customers, whether it's online or across social networks, they've got an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. You can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond more than a store, Shopify grows with you. So check it out. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA, all lowercase for a free 14 day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of amazing features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. That's shopify.com slash locked on NBA. 
and continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, go check out the Locked on Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked on Now on Apple, Spotify, Google. Watch it on the Locked on NBA channel. Wherever you get this podcast, you can listen to Locked on Now. Now, continuing our draft breakdowns, our preliminary breakdowns on some of these top prospects as we circle back to Jaden Ivey and Jabari Smith. Uh, which direction you want to go first, Nathan? Jaden Ivey? Because I, I, you're higher on Jaden Ivey. You've got Jaden Ivey number one on your board, which I think is st- like astonishing that you've got him above Chet and Paolo right now. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just get on. Let's go with Jaden Ivey because it's fun. I've got um, you've got the big smile on your face, so we have to go <laughs> with Jaden Ivey. But so first of all, this isn't like a this isn't a hot take because this isn't like oh he's trying you know you try and make a name for yourself by doing something that nobody else is doing. Um, Jaden's clearly rising up um, draft boards, and like I still think it's absolutely wild when people say like oh crazy pick maybe Jaden Ivey's number three, and it's like no he's definitely like a legit number one um, candidate. Um, I think the problem is uh, what what people aren't seeing um, in my mind is that Jaden Ivey is uh, almost surely going to be a point guard in the NBA um, in terms of like what a most modern point guards are we, these days, which is just high usage ball handler um, who's just trying to put pressure on the rim in, in every sort of possession. So if you look at his stats for Purdue right now, he's only averaging about three or five, uh, 3.5 assists a game, I think. Um, he's running off ball a lot. Um, because and Purdue is one of the best teams in the country, so like I'm not quibbling with their offense at all. It's working for them. But Jaden is not. If you look at like Jaw Morant, which is a comp a lot of people like to to put on him. Jaw had like a 50% assist rate in for uh, in college, and he averaged like 30 points. Like he just did everything for the team. It was it was all him. Whereas Purdue were like going to make a run for you know for for the championship. So he's and it's good in one way because we're seeing so much of him off, off ball where he's shooting. I mean, if we remember, if you did this pod, uh, I mentioned the shooting and you said, what are the chances he improved his shot? Because he was a 29% shooter last year. He's shooting like 45% this year. So, like, sample he's got. And he's such a well because he's running around these screens like crazy. And he's so fast and quick change of direction that it's just, it's exhausting watching the defense like, trying to keep up with him. And if you're putting him on, on against like imagine like a team like Portland where you have CJ and Dame but you don't have any other guard stoppers who are just like your Avery Bradley's your 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 guard def- defenders someone someone ha- one of their best players is going to have to guard him and, and you can't switch on him because he would just kill any big um and if you give him any sort of separation he can he can pull up or he can you know make his own drive so he's off ball I don't think the shooting is real to be honest like to, to put that out there I think he still pushes his shot out too much and his release is a little low um, so I don't think he's going to be like a 40% shooter in the NBA. But um, if he just keeps improving it and, he's, and it becomes like a, a real thing, then that's that's going to be huge for him. Um, he's, doing, he's doing it on a decent number of attempts, too, as far as the shooting goes. I mean, we're talking about 14 games already this season, almost five attempts a night, and he's shooting 45% on them. And like you like you mentioned, you know, him being played a little bit more off balls, kind of giving him some of those opportunities. But that that is something that I've noticed when watching him is that shot form is not – it's not a bad form, but it is kind of like a push, right? Yeah, like it's not it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and so I do think there are some concerns there. But as you already alluded to, just the the sheer like freak athleticism that he has, like watching him when he does have the ball in his hands and when he's especially getting in transition and like splicing through a defense, guys 
can't stick with him. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it really is kind of, it's kind of like watching like a, like, I mean, because he's so built also at like that six, four size, six, four, 200 pounds. Like he's got like a, like a relatively like ready to go, like NBA body as well. I feel like, and it's just impressive the way that he gets to the rim. And then he's also so like, he doesn't panic a lot. I feel like though in, in what I've seen from him, he gets to the rim. And even if he's like, doesn't have the shot, like right on, like right on a dime when he stops to like, he he'll sometimes stop. He'll have a little up fake or an up and under move. Like he's just really creative and he's got good body control around the rim, which is why he's, you know, his finishes have been so impressive, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, this is why he's a point guard to me because I think like he he gets and he get because because he's going to just be attacking him every possession and like the reason why I'm not even that worried about shot whether it's real or not. Obviously, it'd be good if you know it's a bonus if it is. Is because defenses just go under him anyway and he just kills them. He's like you know prime Russell Westbrook didn't care that every defender went under him. He, he still got to the rim with with really crap spacing, obviously. So like he just finds ways and he's he's got a great dribble. He's got great hesitation burst. You know, decelerate and accelerate again. He's got all the moves. Um, and I think he's he's so good at getting out of trouble when he because he's drive first like you, you head down drive to the rim, and then um, I think he, he can miss one or two passes behind him in terms of that pick and pop where he's just not where he just doesn't want to make a pass he might see it and just not want to make the pass but he gets traffic and then he jumps in the air and then he's got like a two second hang time it feels like so he just gets in the air um, and he he never turns it over like there I mean obviously he does but like he I he that's a time where you think you're going to turn the ball over you've jumped like every coach has said don't jump in the air if you don't know what you're going to do at the next move and um but he's still whether it's a you know wraparound pass to the to the center or a kick out to the corner or a lob pass like he's got a really good center with him um he that's where you're seeing the quick decisions and the the secondary action where it's like okay i'm driving to the rim um i don't necessarily have a plan but i'm going to get to the rim and then that's good things are going to happen so that's going to get you like i think six or seven assists in the nba pretty easily and if he develops like more of those kind of you know traditional point guard uh, approach as I, I i project i do and this is definitely like a bit of gamble because we're not seeing him do this so you can't just say oh this is nailed on so i definitely project him as like this high usage ball handler where he's going to have the ball he should have a lot podcast but he's in a 99 for pick and rolls which to me is like that's exactly what you want to hear and, and i don't even think he runs pick and roll a lot because he just isos and drives immediately he doesn't need a screen and um he you know he has a dunker spot and he dunks it off to him so that type of that's why i have him number one because that type of excitement but i mean he's high i have him higher than like jm green last year as a prospect because i think you can form an offense around just like a guy attacking the rim and you know and where if he doesn't need a screen great and he can that, that's an nba offense right there basically if you have people around him I think that's that's one of the cool things about like as we're kind of exploring these different prospects and trying to figure out like what they can potentially bring to the table for an NBA team. You're taking these like small data sets and these small little occurrences. And, you know, it's not it's not a, a substantial, you know, it's not like we're working with like an NBA, you know, type calendar of sample size where you've got like 82 games to kind of pick from and, you know, a data to extrapolate. But we're taking these little isolated circumstances and trying to figure out, OK, how can this skill set or how can what this player is good at be applied to the NBA and I think that's the other thing is you know some of the like draft reports that I've seen on him are like questioning whether or not he can be a primary ball handler at the next level and that's the part that's that hasn't really made much sense to me because from everything that I've seen out of him and I'll I'll be the first to admit I haven't like I'm not sitting here like pouring over like hours of like game footage on him but from what I have seen 
I don't have like any reservations about him you know, making that neck or taking that next step at the NBA level and really being able to orchestrate an offense because as you've as you've highlighted, he's got all the skill sets or all the tools to be able to do that at I think an elite level, which is exactly what you're looking for in this type of player. Yeah, and it also helps that you mentioned his body size where he's six four. I mean, he might even be six five, but he's big, he's strong, he can translate straight away. It's not this isn't like Jalen Green. Um and that helps by the way if you're thinking of well KPJ and Jalen are, are we, I want them for the next however many years. But obviously, that's a big question mark. As soon as you mentioned Jaden Ivey, it was going to be Houston fans saying, well, we, you know, we've got Jalen, we've got KPJ, so it doesn't really fit. But I think there's actually um, a possibility of him playing at the three um, if he can keep the, the, you know, these running around off screens and the off ball stuff. And then defensively, he, I think he can guard bigger guys. And with KPJ, it's kind of like, um, yeah. I don't think I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, that's a free guard lineup. That's just going to work. And I still think like Jaden's so high that like um, you take him anyway. He's kind of his best player available. But I do think there is actually. I've been starting to think about it more. That there is actually a chance that he could guard freeze because he's really physical and like he he cuts off angles so well and he uses body so well. Um, and I actually think he could be kind of like a two way player. Um, you know, I don't think he's winning defensive player of the year anytime. But he, he's a really competitive defender and he gets these crazy blocks as well he leaps so high that he can get a block from behind even if he is beat so i'm i'm really high on him as a fit even even if you know it doesn't scream off the page immediately as the way maybe parlor or or um or Jabari does yeah well I, I think that's that's probably a good spot for us to segue into jabari because from what i've seen over these last you know since the last time you and i talked about these prospects jabari has absolutely leapt off the page and he screams future superstar to me so we're going to talk about him coming up in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at built bar it's the new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar maybe even better than a candy bar built bar makes it easier to stick to your new year's resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or gritty or the consistency is just off like you know not great right and I'm going to be started on the flavors. The flavors are so amazing to choose from. Strawberry, cookies and cream, raspberry, mint brownie, cookie uh, uh, cookie dough, uh, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with any of the bars on their menu, and you can check them out. Just visit Built.com and use promo code BLOCK15 for 15% off your next order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. Again, you've got to check them out. You won't regret it. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, we appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Go make a little bit of money, right? Check it out. It's hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, free and available on all platforms, free and available wherever you listen to this show. You can check out Locked on Bets now. Nathan, it is time to talk about my guy, Jabari Smith, who I after you know sitting down and doing a bit more research and kind of getting a bit more acclimated with these top prospects i come away thinking this guy is i mean i think he's the real deal like the the flashes and the glimpses that we see uh, especially offensively for him right it it's screaming superstar potential to me even more so than any of the other top guys right now i think that right now firmly i think jabari smith has the highest ceiling 
of any of the other top four prospects. Um, he's got the combination of the the size, the speed, the shooting ability, the length. It's it's all there, and it's just about you know putting that all together at the next level. But I think we've already seen some really solid glimpses for it so far. You know, in his in his collegiate career, he's averaging twenty one point one points per game, eight point seven rebounds, two point nine assists, and a block per game, as well as a couple steals in thirty six minutes, shooting forty four forty four percent from the floor and forty four percent from three. And above all else, all I can imagine is like Jabari Smith in a lineup with Alper and Shingun and Al, you know, Alpi handling the basketball and feeding Jabari, feeding Jalen Green, feeding KPJ, like, you know, orchestrating and being like the fulcrum for this Rockets offense for years to come. It's got me like very, very excited. Yeah, Jabari's got everyone excited. Jabari is like incredibly fun to watch for sure. Uh, and he's like, so like, you, you get hyped watching him because he's so hyped and he like tower waves like on him bench every possession and he like pumps the crowd up and stuff. He's re- really, really competitive. Well, I want to get to the superstar thing um, a little later, but clarify about why he's such a good fit. Uh, you know, bad team will think, well, he's a great fit with Jalen and LP. He's a great fit with like Cade and then with Shea. Um, the shooting is like fucking incredible. Like, it, he's am i allowed to swear yeah. <laughs> you and everybody like y'all y'all do it like you it's been like you and like roosh has done it before and like y'all like drop yeah. like a swear word and then you're like oh shit am i allowed to do that yes you're allowed to swear on this podcast i knew i've heard sorry before. <laughs> yeah he's like shooting is obviously like you just looking at the stat like he gets you like happy to look at it but his form is like perfect um it's so consistent and he's got such a high release point um, he might just genuinely be the best shooter of the draft for, for any size. Um, and he gets into it so easily. Like when he's contested on, on the perimeter, it's like he's got this really nice low handle, which is another thing I like about him. It's quite protective. You know, you're not going to get stripped off. Them. And he'll do like a little left, right, um, fake dribble, and then like just pull up. And it's like so fluid because he's, he's got a low handle. So he's, he's got quite a long way to go up through his really high release point. But it's it's just like perfect every time. And no one can, no one can get near him. Um, and he's shooting that so well off a catch, off you know these pull-ups, that he is immediately like shooting from the NBA. And those guys get as a big. Those guys get like your 60, 80, maybe just by the time he's you know twenty six or something. Um, and then defensively, like Jabari's, I think, I, I think he's a phenomenal um, perimeter defender. For uh, I mean, he like harasses people. He he's he uses his aggression really well he backs people up there's no possessions off uh kind of thing and obviously he's got the wingspan and he's got really good feet um and i, I love how he gets into people's bodies uh off, off a switch and he's gonna be a really good switch defender my my only concern or my only thing i would temper with houston fans is that i see a lot of um people saying that oh because our friend Shingun's maybe not the best defender uh jabari's gonna help a lot from i think his weak side um shot blocking is being quite overrated. I actually think, admitted, I'm not quite sure, but I had this thought today. I actually think Paolo might even be a better weak side shot blocker than Jabari is. Um, and I'll talk about this on offense as well, but Jabari doesn't, get, my my big red flag with him is um, Jabari doesn't really have much lift off the ground. It's best for people to see. So that podcast is up, I'll have a tweet up. But off one, off two feet, like as a standing jump, he can get quite, he's got, you know, he's, he can get high above the rim, but off one foot when he's coming off of a drive, he was coming off of the side rotating, he was a quite worrying lack of lift. Um, 
And that's obviously stops him. That's why he's probably averaging 0.9 blocks. So he's not this force. Um, I think people look at his frame and say, oh, weak side shot blocker. But I think if you actually watch the games, I think he's a way better perimeter defender and a help defender. I think I would want him guarding, you know, um, your ISO players like Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron. You'd want him not kind of in why, I think it's so, I, no, I, I'm smiling because I think that that was actually going to be my very next point that I wanted to bring up to you is I actually don't necessarily like envision him. I know he's kind of he's being billed as like a power forward. Yeah, I, I kind of envision him more so as like a wing at the NBA level, like somebody that you comfortably can slot in and say, you know what, we're comfortable playing, you know, another again, like could be another wing next to him. Or I don't necessarily think he has to be the guy that you're putting next to, say, Alper and Shingun, mm. you know, as like his front court mate. And, and you know, this could be one of your three guys on the perimeter right one of your other wings out there and i know the nba is kind of weird today with you know it's very positionless across the board and largely you have you know one big and you know one you know two or sometimes three guards on the floor and then the rest of the players are just wings in that you know kind of like archetype or whatever but as far as like defensively i don't think that he necessarily has to be like the key or the answer next to alper and shingun you can potentially find that elsewhere um yeah. you know which is also why i was originally intrigued by a jalen duran type is somebody who could be right the guy that you slot next to alp as somebody that's going to anchor that defense a little bit more uh or more so than he can at least right now yeah yeah I, that, that's fair enough I, i'm i'm kind of answering some stuff specifically i'm, I'm seeing on rockets if you think this is kind of going to be like the because we all we all hope, uh, want Shengun to be the center of the future obviously so obviously there is that question of um who helps him kind of at the rim uh, and maybe the answer is Shengun just gets really good at it and it will be, we'll all be okay um i wanted to talk about the superstar stuff that you were saying because um this is kind of as i was re-watching the games over this last week or so this is why i ended up slotting him down at four behind paulo um when i think i originally had him for three um i i just don't see much play creation from him other than just the pull-up shooting which is a you know a huge weapon to have don't get me wrong but i think i i question what his usage is going to be uh, as an offensive player because i he's got a good handle like i said it's protective and he can definitely bring you know grab and go and bring it up but he's not going to be you know um ball handling a lot i wouldn't say um i think you can and, and then as a as a roller i he's not used that much as, as like a, a screener and roll guy in Auburn. Um, and as I said earlier, the lift, I, I question whether he can really play above the rim as you'd maybe expect him with his wingspan. Uh, and then with the lift as well, his finishing of the rim has been good in college. If you just look at the stats, it's like 73% or something. So maybe I should just go off that rather than kind of the eye test. But I do question what if he's going to, because I think he can put the ball on the floor and drive and attack, you know, if he's going to attack fours and fives, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a mismatch for him technically. But he just doesn't get much lift of him and, and uh, like i said you have to head over to my twitter i'll put this video up but when he's on one foot off a drive it's it's quite worrying to me in that sense um you know so, who i kind of comp him to in that regard because because i i do see what you're talking about and the explosiveness isn't mm. isn't quite there um i kind of comp him to like chris middleton a little bit in that regard like middleton you know floating around 
similar like size. You know, Jabari's a bit bigger than, than Middleton as far as size goes, but just from the sheer skill set of being a really like knockdown lights out shooter, a competent enough dribble to where he's comfortable getting into his own shot and kind of creating himself, but not necessarily the best at creating for others using be it his own gravity or his own dribble, you know, creating off the bounce, that kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of Middleton a little bit. Now, as Middleton's career has progressed, he's gotten better in that regard. So it, it'll be interesting. That's kind of where I have a comp right there. And whether that's completely off base or not, you know, that's just kind of the first thought that pumps, uh, you know, that jumps into my mind as far as a current NBA player who maybe you could have said the same thing about him like earlier in his playing career. Yeah, I quite like that as a as a, as a ceiling. I mean, um, I don't know how many how many guys would pick middle. Uh, this is always an interesting if you compare Oh, if you could have this career, would you pick a number one? And people, I think, always overrate draft picks compared to what they actually pan out as. So Middleton, you should probably take number one. But I, I actually think a lot of people would would say, oh, no, we don't want Middleton. We want even better than that. Even though the guy was like, you know, that's because people are that's one. because people are inherently greedy. They want yeah. they want the, they want the next Michael. They don't want the next Chris Middleton. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Middleton would be amazing to get. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a very high ceiling for him. Yeah. And, and that is that is um, a pathway to a guy who isn't the first, um, you know, option and isn't a ball. You know, isn't a play finisher in terms of around the rim and isn't a play uh, creator in a sense, but he can obviously attack mismatch his own shot as well. So that actually makes us feel a bit better about him. I, I would like to see more stuff uh, out of the post from him and just what he can do from the mid-range. Is he going to be three-point only? Um, because um, I'm a little bit disappointed in his, in his sort of get into his spots from from the block and he does t take quite a few mid-range shots as, as he should obviously um you know is it just going to be like rise and shoot and is that going to be enough is he going to be able to shoot you know high 40s from there or can he have some more moves and really pass out of the post and i i, I maybe i'm falling for a trap of you know high high draft picks you're thinking of superstars have to be high usage you can really create for others but i think that's um I think there's definitely a, a, a realistic scenario with with um, Jabari where he's basically a super you know, a super free and D guy, um, kind of like. Um, I, I think he can pull up for his own. It's definitely a, a, you know this is the thing. Man. Yeah, I, compared to like Paolo, if I can go on Paolo just for a second, Paolo, I had big questions of. The last Paolo. Duke have started playing him at the five a lot more of AJ Griffin at the four. And just the way Paolo is suddenly attacking these these bigs is so much better than than Jabari in terms of off the bounce. Whereas Paolo, he watched with Virginia Tech, he was just like killing him, just getting him over and over again in that second half. And that's something I hadn't seen from him earlier. So I like kind of put him above Jabari in a piece of me. So Jabari, it's for it's the, the finishing at the rim and just how high usage is going to be uh, is that cap me to calling him a potential superstar in my mind. It's crazy because you, you mentioned like this, you know, the, the idea of him potentially being like a super three and D guy. I think you look back and there are a lot of like, you can point to like super like three and D guys who are like either like borderline all-star guys or who are all-star caliber players. And they've had really like solid NBA careers and they've largely been like the X factor almost for like, you know, some championship quality teams. And obviously the two most recent ones in recent memory to serve, right. Is you got Chris Middleton as of late with the Milwaukee bucks, but, the one that jumps that should jump to the forefront of everybody's mind is Clay Thompson, who's obviously one of the greatest shooters of all time, but he is what you would kind of, I think, point to as like a super three and D guy who is like 
you can't because you can't call Clay Thompson a role player. He is a he, he is a star. Maybe not maybe not superstar. Maybe that is a bit of a stretch. But if you were to tell me that like Jabari Smith was like a bigger Clay Thompson at the NBA level, I would take that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a sexier sell than than Chris Middleton. We call him a bigger Clay Thompson. That's how we'll yeah. market. Well, another way of looking at it is that I'm I'm I you could almost nothing's guaranteed, but you could almost guarantee is that he's going to be a very good free and player got such a high floor there and so it, whereas someone like Jaden Ivey obviously when I talk about him being a ball handler and like lead ball handler that's um, theoretical because he's not currently doing it uh, every possession so you know there's a much more certainty about Jabari that he's going to be um, a high you know second third best player on um, a championship team if I had to like put all my money on one guy who I knew was going to be at least the third best player on a, on a contender I would probably put Jabari. Yeah, I'd probably put my money on Jabari. I think about it now. Well, Nathan, this has been a very enlightening conversation. I'm always ecstatic to be able to talk hoops with you, especially as we're navigating uh, these draft prospects and kind of working on our respective big boards and doing these little breakdowns to figure out what this uh, draft process is going to look like this upcoming season. We've got a lot of time between now and the draft, and you and I are going to start making this uh, hopefully a regular thing. Every Probably every couple weeks or so, we'll touch base and we'll go over some prospects, and uh, we're going to be kind of sp- navigating through all the different names uh kind of circulating around the first round but let everybody know where to track you down at so it's nathan fogwater and then tnrockets.com for my blog i just did a a post on um jalen green since he's coming back well looking at his play before injury and afterwards and seeing how how much better he has at getting to the rim and kind of some of the stuff i think he's been working on kind of in the lab a little bit and Getting back to basics, I think I think I, I think it's quite an interesting post because I don't think it's a different way of looking at it. So I would check it out, please, <laughs> and uh, go to my blog and go to my my Twitter. Yeah, always read Nathan. Anytime he puts out any kind of a blog, you got to check it out. T and Rockets, be sure to check it out. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Fog One. Nathan, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to it again. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Who would you take at the top of the draft? Jabari Smith, Jaden Ivey? Are you going to go with one of the other two guys, Chet or Paolo? Let us know in the comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.